Welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearson. So glad to have you in the house today. On this broadcast today, we're showing you part two of a sermon called Anointed. Now, this comes out of a series that we've been in for weeks and weeks on Legacy TV called It Can Be Done. Whatever impossible situation you're facing right now, you need to know that with God, all things are possible. You need to know that the anointing on you, the same anointing that was on Jesus, turns your impossibility into something that can be done. And this message that's coming to you today comes from Family Night. And again, this is part two. So if you missed last week's, I encourage you to go to pearsonsministries.com or the Legacy Studios app or the podcast, whatever you've got to do to get a hold of this message, plug back into it and find out what it's like to live life anointed. That's you. You are anointed with the same anointing that was on Jesus, that same burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Watch this and be blessed. You remember Luke chapter 3. John the Baptist is doing what the Baptist does. He's baptizing people. And then Jesus shows up and he says, I want you to baptize me. And you remember what happened? John baptized him, Luke chapter 3. Verse 21, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized while he prayed. The heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So it's in this moment that the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus and anointed him. This is Luke 3. You just fast forward to Luke chapter 4 and you see Jesus in the temple. He's been given the scrolls. He opens it up. He finds in the word in the book of Isaiah where it's written. And who remembers what he said? He read to these people, the spirit of the Lord is on me. Because what? Because he has, say it out loud, anointed me. I want to talk to you tonight about the anointing. I'm stirred up about the anointing. Satan is terrified of the anointing. It freaks him out. How do I know that? Because right after the anointing came on Jesus, after he was baptized and the Spirit of the Lord came on him, he went out into the desert and began to fast and to pray. And what happened? Satan came immediately and for 40 days pressed him and pressured him and tempted him over and over and over again. Why? Why? Because of the anointing. Because of the anointing. Now, we're going to get into, in a few minutes, why he's so terrified of the anointing. But I got to thinking about this, and honestly, I've been, been asking the Lord about it for weeks. It's been just coming up on my heart, the anointing, the anointing, the anointing. And I've been going back through what I feel like I've been taught about it. And I grew up in, in a family, in a church environment where there was a lot of talk about it. Maybe you did, maybe you don't. Maybe you have some sort of frame of reference for what the anointing is or where it comes from or what it does. But I think in different terms now, ever since Justice was born, who's now almost eight years old, uh, I think in terms now often of I feel like I know something about God or about scripture, but how would I explain it to him? 
how would I explain, how would I get across this truth to him? Because I got to make it simple enough, right, for him to grab a hold of it. So I'm thinking about this and praying over this. And uh, the Lord began leading me. And it just, just today, over the last couple of days, and we're going to find out in a minute what freaks the devil out about the anointing. But I want to look at a couple of places in Scripture that I believe if you can get a hold of this, this will be truth to you. And you could go home and explain it to your own kids. Um, go with me to the book of 1 Samuel. This is going to be so simple tonight. What is the anointing? Where does it come from? What does it do? How do you explain it? It's something, like I said, I grew up in an environment where we talked a lot about it. A lot of I'm anointed, you're anointed, Jesus is anointed. That's great. What's it mean? Help me understand that. And as I was praying over this, the Lord led me into the book of 1 Samuel. Look at chapter 10. 1 Samuel chapter 10. Again, we're talking about what it takes to get something out of the realm of impossible, put it in the realm of it can be done. Do you remember a, a man named Saul, the first king of Israel? God didn't want these people to have a king. He wanted to be their king. But they cried out. They begged him. He said, fine. So he picked a young guy named Saul. Scripture tells us a little bit about Saul. Tall, tall Saul, good-looking guy, strong. It's great. And it was kind of a miraculous event. We won't get into all the details of it, but, but basically Saul's dad lost some donkeys. Don't you hate it when that happens? <laughs> Saul's dad had lost donkeys and sent Saul and a buddy out to find the donkeys. Well, they're looking for days and they can't find the donkeys. And finally they look at each other and say, it can't be done. We cannot find the donkeys. The donkeys are nowhere and they say, let's go home. Saul says, I want to go home. My dad's going to start worrying about me. And his friend says, you know what? The prophet lives somewhere around here. Let's go ask him where the donkeys are. Not a bad idea, I guess. You know, somebody who talks to God, just ask them, have you seen the donkeys? And so they're on their way. It's a kind of a long story. They run into a group of girls and they say, where's the prophet? They say, oh, he's right up there. So they catch up to the prophet. And while they're standing there talking to Samuel, the prophet, God speaks to Samuel and says, this is the one. This is the one I picked to be king. So in 1 Samuel chapter 10, they'd had this whole conversation. Then it leads to this right here in verse one. Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you? So that's what this oil is all about. This is the anointing oil. Now, when it says he had a flask of it and he poured it on his head, I want that to paint a picture for you. I think now in church, and I don't, again, I don't know where your experience is, but now it's sort of like we carry around this little vial of it and you just get a little bit on your finger and you kind of touch somebody on the head. Where do we get these things? I don't, I don't really know. But that's not what the anointing process looked like way back when. Have you ever experienced that a little bit of oil goes a long way? It's a stupid story, but this will help it make sense. This week, I was at home and I made a salad. I'm not lying to you. I made a salad. 
it was for me and Sarah, and I don't really know how to do this. I don't know the right proportions of anything. I just start putting stuff in a bowl, and I just, several handfuls of lettuce, and I thought, well, Sarah puts olive oil on it, so that's what I'll do. And I poured some, and I thought, well, that doesn't look like a lot, so I'll pour some, and I'm like, well, I maybe need a little bit more, and I poured a little bit more. And I noticed Sarah smiled so sweetly when she saw this salad. Um, and I noticed her plate sitting by the sink when we were done with lunch. She had eaten all the stuff, just not the lettuce, because it had turned into just this soggy, dripping mess of lettuce. And I figured out right then, oh, it just takes a little bit of oil. You don't need that much. But Samuel takes this flask, this whole flask of oil, and pours it over the head of Saul. The scripture talks in a, to us in the book of Psalms about the, how how beautiful it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. He said it's like, it's like the precious anointing oil that flowed on the top of Aaron's head, down to Aaron's beard, onto Aaron's garment, to the hem of Aaron's garment. That's a lot of oil, everybody. It's this saturation process. It's this infusing of oil into this person. Literally, the word anointing literally means to smear, to rub into, to rub on. This is what it means to be anointed. It's me making a salad. It's just to smear it all in there. And that's what's happening right now to Saul. And basically, Samuel's explaining, it says, here's the reason I'm doing this. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you? Now, I want you to notice what happened after the Lord anointed him, after Samuel anointed him. Go down to verse six. Listen to what it says. It says, then the spirit of the Lord, this is Samuel talking to Saul. He's explaining to him what's gonna happen. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you. So here you see it again, the anointing and the spirit of God coming on you. These are the same things. He said, the spirit of the Lord will come upon you. You will prophesy with them and here it is, and be turned into another man. This is how I explain the anointing to a seven-year-old. What is it? It's God coming on you and he turns you in to somebody else. This is what the anointing does. This is what Saul said or Samuel said what happened to Saul. He's trying to explain to him, this is what your life is like from this moment forward. What's the difference? Before, you weren't anointed. Now, you're covered in it. You're saturated in it. It's dripping all over you, and this is what's going to happen. The Spirit of the Lord is going to come on you, and how do I explain it? He's going to just turn you in to another man. Turn you into something else entirely. He said in verse 7, and let it be when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands, check it out, for God is with you. Everything's changing for Saul right now. Things that he couldn't do, he's turning into another man. He's going from a man that couldn't to a man that can. He's going from a man that wouldn't to a man that will. What's changed? What's the difference? Was it a pep talk? Huh? Was it a good self-help lecture from Samuel? No, one difference, one difference only, the anointing. The anointing turned him in to another man. Let me give you a really good 
deeply spiritual, firmly rooted in the Bible example of this. You remember Popeye, the sailor man? Don't, uh, don't, don't judge me. I Googled this today. I just wanted to watch. I remembered from being a kid watching the Popeye cartoons. Do you remember what would happen? He's, he's in love with who? Olive oil, which I'm sure is a spiritual type as well, but he's in love with her. And there's another guy who's in love with her, right? Bluto, Brutus. I think there was a name change at some point. Brutus. And uh, Brutus is huge. Brutus is massive. Brutus is, you know, CrossFit eight days a week. Brutus is, he's just, just huge and strong and Popeye's this little guy, right? And there's, in every episode, there's always this scene where Brutus is too much for Popeye, right? But then what happens? Popeye reaches into his pocket, pulls out his can of spinach, as you do, he eats it. It gets in him. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> right? And he's another man. He becomes another man. This is actually kind of helped me today watching this cartoon because then he just lays into Brutus, this guy who was just a moment ago way too strong for him, way too big for him, and running off with his girl. All of a sudden, he's another man. Why? Because something got in him. Something got in him, okay? This is what's happening to Saul. Watch this now. This gets, this gets worse. It's great. He said, surely, or for God is with you. Verse eight, he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings, make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you'll wait till I come to show you what you should do. So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart. There it is. How do we get out of the realm of it can't be done into the realm of it can be done? It's the anointing. And when the anointing comes on you, God goes to work in you. Something different is going on inside. It says God gave him another heart. And those signs came to pass that day. When they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. Then the Spirit of God came on him. What happened? He prophesied among them. Verse 11 says it happened when all who knew him formerly, formerly, all who knew him formerly, they saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon Saul? Literally, they looked at each other and said, what's got into Saul? What's got into him? Is this the same guy? What's the answer? No, it's not. He's been turned into a different man. This is how, this is the, to me, the most simple way of understanding the power of the anointing. Turned into another man, turned into another person because of the anointing. What do you think the anointing on you would do? What do you think the anointing on your life, the anointing in your situation would do? 
Would it be possible for the people who have known you for years and years and years, known you, brother and sister, known you since you were kids, worked with you every day, all of a sudden something changed in you, and you come in the next day and they look at you and go, what got into you? The anointing. The anointing. Turning you into someone else entirely. This also happened to another guy in the Old Testament. Do you remember a man named Samson? In Judges chapter 13, you don't have to turn there, but in Judges chapter 13, before Samson was ever born, the angel of the Lord showed up and talked to his mom and dad, talked to them about who he was, who he was gonna be. And and let me read to you. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to this. This is what it said about him. After he was born in verse 25 of Judges 13, it says, the spirit of the Lord began to move on him. The Spirit of the Lord began to move on him. Now, in every depiction of Samson that you and I have ever seen, every cartoon, every childhood story of it, what is the picture that's painted? What's the imagination that Samson is this Matt Brutus kind of guy, right? He's like 6'6", 285, nothing but a solid mass of muscle and strength. I don't like that. There's nothing in the account of his life that indicates to us that he was physically strong, any different than any other man. The only difference we know about Samson compared to anybody else was the spirit of the Lord was on him. So that's why I like to imagine Samson looked more like me. That's a greater miracle. No, seriously, think about it. That's a bigger miracle, isn't it? It would be one thing if the guy was huge, if he was massive, if he had all this strength and he beat all the people to death that he beat to death. But I don't think that was the case. How much more glory would God get out of it? What if it wasn't even this big? What if Samson was like five, five, a buck 50 soaking wet, right? Him and his long hair. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord comes on this little squirt of a guy. And this is what the Bible says about it in chapter 14. Listen to what it says, verse 6. This is after Samson has seen a beautiful girl, and he's wanting to go meet her, and he's walking down. And it says in verse uh, 5 of chapter 14, um, as he went to Timnah, to his surprise, a young lion came roaring out against him. Verse 6, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily on him. He ripped that lion to shreds. What did that? What did it? What did it? The anointing. The anointing. Now, I don't care how strong you are, fella. If you're in a fight with a lion, my bet's on the lion. So what a greater testimony is it that this guy without the physical strength accomplishes what can't be done only by the anointing. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes on him, and the anointing comes on him. Help me out. What happens? What, 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 what takes place? Well, we know from Saul's life what takes place. You turn into a different man, a different person. So would it not stand a reason that the secret of Samson's strength was not in any way physical, but the secret to it was the spirit of the Lord coming on him and turning him into somebody else? Watch how many times this happens. Same chapter, verse 14. 
a bunch of guys that made him mad. In verse 19, the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ashkelon and killed 30 of their men. I'm not saying his relationship life is the example we should follow. I'm just drawing your attention to what the anointing can do on a person and to a person. Chapter 15, he had fallen in love with Delilah and uh, she, she, she's no good. She comes to him and in chapter 16, verse five says, in, um, she's wanting to find out where his strength lies. People can't figure it out. You know, honestly, even before he met Delilah, do you remember the day that he had um, let, let some folks take him captive and then all of a sudden, a thousand Philistine soldiers popped out and what happened to the ropes that he was tied with? It says the spirit of the Lord came on him mightily and they were like, like they'd just been burned up. Just became a different man. Just became somebody else. And luckily, there was the jawbone of an ass laying on the side of the road and he beat a thousand dudes to death with the jawbone of an ass. The reason I say that is my great-grandfather was famous for telling my grandfather when he was a kid. My, my great-grandfather was a, a businessman. He was an insurance salesman. He said, Kenneth, Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of an ass and a thousand deals have been killed the exact same way. But the Spirit of the Lord came on him and he turned into another man. This is what the anointing does. I know I'm taking some time with this, but I'm wanting you to, I want this to paint a picture. Same thing happened with Delilah. She was enticing him. They said to her, the Philistines said, get her, get him to tell you the secret to his strength. That again proves to me it's not physical. It's not physical. They say, get him to, to give you the secret. And so you know what he does. He lies to her a couple of times. Now, evidently, Samson is a very, very heavy sleeper because he says to her, what? Like, if you bind my hair in seven something or others, and then I'll lose all my strength. So he goes to sleep and she does all this to his hair while he sleeps, doesn't wake up. And then finally says, the Philistines are here. The Philistines are here. He pops up. It all breaks off and he goes and he beats these guys to death, becomes a different man. And she says, you lied to me. He's like, yep. And she says, tell me what the secret is. And he tells her something else and it's a lie. And he goes and beats some other guys to death. And every time the spirit of the Lord's on him, the spirit of the Lord's on him. And then finally, like an idiot, he says, okay, here's the secret. And he tells her what it is. I was told not to cut my hair. And then she did it. And the scripture tells us his strength left, but it doesn't just say his strength left. It says the Lord departed from him. So he was somebody with the Lord and somebody else without him. See, the anointing will turn you into somebody else, but the lack of the anointing will turn you back into whoever you were without it. And you know, they put out his eyes, they put him into prison or whatever it was. And on his last day, he's standing there blind. And they said, bring him out to perform for us. And he said to the little 
lad who led him out. He said, lead me to the pillar that's holding this place up. And he cried out to God and he said, give me strength. And all that strength came back. And he was victorious even in his death. But another man, another man under the anointing. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.